Welcome to the Far Side of Leadership podcast, where you can have fun, and if you're lucky, learn something about leadership. And now, Terry Farr, your host. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Terry Farr. I'll be your host today. I have two of my best friends. Y'all like that? Two of my very best friends. That, that's better. Yeah. That's that, nice. uh, I'd like to introduce, and quite honestly, we're going to record this, and then we'll decide whether or not we're going to put it out in a podcast, and we'll decide which podcast we'll put it out. But anyway, my two of my best friends that are here with me today is to my left, probably to some people's right, is Mr. Jim Brister. Or, or directly across. Or directly across from Greg Mitchell Jr. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for coming in today. Y'all just going to... Quite pleased to be here. Yeah. That's better. That's yeah. better. Yeah. That's okay. Like All right. Well, this podcast uh, episode uh, probably is going to be entertaining and educational. Does that sound good to y'all? Making some promises. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Commit. What do, what do you always say? Over, over, Un, under promise, over deliver. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's words to live by. All right. Well, I prepared y'all that I would, you know, y'all need to be prepared that I would uh, ask a few questions. So we're going to make this, this part real, real quick. Greg has notes. Well, I don't have any and notes. Greg's looking no. at my t-shirt like he well, wants to say something. Well, I was going to ask you what, let's see. Sarcasm is one of the services I offer. Very nice. But that means you. Yes, me. Yeah. I'm wearing the t-shirt. I, right. You're not. Well, all right. So first question. If the listening audience, which we don't know who's listening. Well, nobody's listening right now, but nobody. the three of us, because this is recorded. But if 100 people listen to this, uh, who, who do you think they would vote of the three of us would be the most sarcastic most of the time jim go ahead no not jim but go ahead no. <laughs> give your thoughts uh, kind of like I, that conversation at the table yeah out there over lunch yeah, yeah. yeah. i would i would probably me uh, i'd assume me probably i'm sarcastic with everything i say or jim should we say the the least sarcastic <laughs> and I, i'm gonna say terry Really? You think Terry? You yeah. Think Terry is Meaning, sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. He is wearing the shirt, too. It should say sarcasm, a way of life. <laughs> That's true. It's my, it's, That's a compliment. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and think about sarcasm. Everybody doesn't like sarcasm. True. I don't know why. I love it. I mean, I've got three daughters, and at least one of them likes sarcasm. Well, actually, I think probably two to three of them like it. But anyway, so... Uh, that this will be the entertaining part, but the main thing that I think uh, we would like to talk about, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong. I know Jim wants to talk about politics. We're not talking about politics uh, today. I thought we were talking, and about we're politics. not talking about religion. But if you get into it, I know how we can get straight into religion real quick. Oh but, no, I, I didn't have any. Plans okay, on that. all right. So yeah. we're going to talk about the economy, okay. and I know that uh, when we're Having lunch at times, we get to talking about inflation and stuff like that, and uh, so a lot, lot of predictions. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. I've got the latest prediction that we made uh, the other day. My, mine's changed. Uh, 
Okay. Did you want to go ahead and touch on no, that? No. No? Okay. No. All right. So I, I printed out an article that I was reading last night that was really neat, and it talked about the inflation rates from 1929 to present time. Jim, you've been selling real estate in Picayune, Mississippi, since 1994. What, what were interest rates when you got into the real estate business? Do you remember? Somewhere between 12 and 13 percent. 12 and, and 13 percent. Somewhere in there. In that neighborhood. Because I clearly remember when they hit 10. That was a few years ago. You later. had a celebration when it yes, hit 10. Yes, it was okay. great when it hit 10. All right, all right. So you're in the real estate business, been doing that 20, how many years is that? Can you calculate that? 90, 95, 96, 97, anyway, 27, 27 right. glorious years. He's getting, you're, and you're 50, how old? Two. two. 52. All right, and Greg Mitchell uh, is in the banking business, and you've been in the banking business how long? 16 years. 16 years. And how many banks have you worked for? Uh, one bank. Jim, how many real estate companies have you worked for? One company. That's unbelievable. Y'all realize that is yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. Hadn't really thought about itself. that, but true. Yeah, yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Me, I've I've had many. Of course, you know. <laughs> and when I I let's see, I got in the mortgage business in 1973. Okay, right, a long time ago. And mortgage rates then were at seven and a half. Hmm. And it wasn't very long before they moved to 8%. And you would have thought the world was going to come to an end. Mm -hmm. And so, Jim, as you and I have talked about many times, the typical real estate agent, well, I wonder how, how many years a typical real estate agent today would have been in business. Less than 10 years Less than 10, probably. Yeah. There are right now in our board 200 members, 200 yeah. agents. And that's in Picayune, Mississippi. And or that's in Pearl River County. Pearl and River and County. some of them are affiliates from Slidell that have licenses from across the border, but still they're in our MLS. Across the <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I, I would assume probably five to eight years. I, the, the average real estate agent probably has about a five to eight year career, honestly. So the average, as you call it, the average real estate agent has probably never seen above, what, 6%, 5%? maybe, 65 yeah. Yeah. And I think the uh, highest interest rate home loan that I ever made was 18%. I made one of those, I think. I bet, I bet we're foreclosed. But anyway. <laughs> and, so, I, and I'm being told as a banker that, Five six percent is is really high right now. Five six percent is high. Sarcasm. Yeah, sarcasm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. anyway, man. So I don't know. I mean, what uh, what are we thinking? Uh, rates are going to do. I mean, we got peaks and valleys. Uh, we haven't had. I mean, mortgage rates and and bank rates, prime rate. Fed rate has been low actually for I could probably cheat and look at this little thing I printed out has been low for what 10 15 years I'd say 13 13 that's plus good. or minus it's a sharp yeah it's, it's a very sharp number he's got yeah, there. I like that yeah was that being sarcastic you think probably, probably. Ah, yeah. facts 
Everybody here is sarcastic, I guess, when it comes right down to it. Yeah, that's why we're having fun. Yeah, okay. Uh, So, when do y'all, I mean, are we just going to stay sort of flat? I mean, Greg, you, 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 uh, let's back up stuff. Jim, you went to uh, the University of Southern Mississippi, right? Yes. And you got a master's? Yeah. Hey. And that was in real estate, right? No. (laughs) College counseling (laughs) and personnel services. I was meant to be a counselor on a college campus. I I just learned something about Jim today. I would have ruined people's lives doing that. I could take some counseling every once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg, let's see. You went to how many different community and or universities three pearl river community college and then to uh, northwestern state in natchitoches louisiana then um banking school at Ole miss and then graduate school of banking at louisiana state university does that make you a doctorate or uh, have a doctorate or something no it actually went backwards oh going to lsu so oh okay A comment about the institution, yeah, just, or? just for the local, oh, local flavor. I got that. Yeah. No, I was really, really good. Learned a lot. Um, uh, good experience. Okay. Well, I went to USM, and and did make it out. So I'm not going to ask y'all a grade point average. I bet. Who do you think has the highest grade point average? Uh, I'd say Jim. Greg. I'd say Jim. Uh, are you included, Terry? No, no. It wouldn't have mattered. I, I no, think Jim. Yeah, I think. I'd say Jim. Okay. All righty. about that. So, okay. So what do y'all think inflation is seriously going to do? Um, what's it, what's, what is it actually doing now? Truly doing now. I mean, we can sit here and say, uh, you know, price of a brand new pickup truck or, you know, that's something else that we might want to talk about too. I mean, when you look at, you know, inflation, consumer price index, and whatever. Uh, I feel like feel the feeling is it's a lot higher than what they're reporting. Yeah. What do you think, Greg? I think which index you're looking at that that is a correct statement. Um, you know, a lot of like the that. the con- consumer, and it was sarcastic. Things we buy every day as a consumer is definitely up. Um, if we have a minute, uh, uh, this is kind of boring conversation for most, but I think it's important to those that may be listening that want to understand, you know, the money supply and how that works. And maybe this could help drive some more discussion, but I'd like to talk about the fed overnight desk and open market operations. I sometimes send group text out. I think the y'all are in and kind of feel lonely when nobody jumps I'm very back and, confused by those and, sometimes well yes i, I was gonna ask about that I because I, you know i put all that work into sending that that <laughs> message and i'm like man and then nobody responds you know i might get a you know a, a ha-ha or a you know terry like the conversation or, or something like that i should so, at least thumbs it up well yeah yeah, yeah. minimum Okay. Yeah, but I think open market operations is a good indicator of, of one of the Fed's tools, obviously controlling money supply in the U.S. But two things you need to look at is repos and a reverse repo. And the repo, let's use an example of a business that has another, that owns multiple businesses. And they want to either, you know, purchase equipment from their own business, another entity, or buy stock. And basically in that repo agreement, they agree to buy that 
sell it back at a higher price in order to create additional cash flow. So it's a way to, you know, their money supply, manipulate that. The reverse repo, um, well, let's back up the repo. If, if the Fed buys securities, meaning they're buying T-bills, government securities on a bank or a financial uh, statement of a financial institution, um, they are putting more money into the system. Mm-hmm. So in the reverse, the, the reverse repo, that would be banks and financial institutions are selling those securities to the Fed in order to, and they're pulling the money out of the system. Mm-hmm. So they buy it, money comes, comes into the Fed on the overnight funds. A key thing to watch is that overnight rate has been at zero. Pretty, pretty low. So when the rate's at zero and you see, okay, it's at $200 billion and then we break records in April, May at $500 billion. I think that's when I started sending the text out. I said, you need to watch this. Um, at a rate of zero, if banks and financial institutions are parking their funds, $500 billion overnight, that's a lot of money coming out of the system. That means we're flushed with cash in the system. So then I had this conversation at lunch one day, maybe in another one of those boring text but they need to increase that overnight rate because there's so much money in the system more needs to come out so they bumped at five basis points i think it will eventually go to 10 they bumped it to five basis points and we saw a 256 billion dollar change overnight so it went to 750 something billion two weeks later we're at 831 billion now this is overnight funds at five basis points so where can we park our money? Stock market and equities. It's high. I mean, who wants to dump that kind of money at the top of the market? You know, people do, and that's part of inflation. Prices get high, higher prices keep driving the inflation. But that's just a key indicator for me. Um, and I think they will continue to increase that rate to pull money out of the system because that's one of their tools to fight inflation. Um, you know, contracting that money supply you know, does help fight the inflation that gives less. I mean, this is in a general sense, less money for banks to, to lend out. So it just helps drive, drive those, um, it's going to drive interest rates higher. It's just part of the, the bowl of gumbo that we're trying to figure out what's in, what's in the pot. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. So is he saying the price of gumbo is going up? It already has. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't, and it doesn't taste any better. Did you follow all of that, Jim? So, yeah, some of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm a simple, simple man. I've got state degrees. So. so when inflation rate is going up, the Fed's trying to control that, right? And they mm. control the inflation rate by adjusting. They raise rates. Their rates. Mm-hmm. And they, so does this mean over the last... 13 years they've done a good job or somebody's done a good job they have they have mm-hmm. we're in uncharted waters but i mean it is a tool i mean the the, the treasury and the fed are really close <laughs> obviously from the from what we're seeing happen but you know raising rates to fight inflation and lowering rates to the, the fed rate um fight unemployment so we have a jobs issue out there we have an inflation issue out there. It's my question. You know, that, was, that was a question. My thought that should drive 
you know, maybe you'd ask a question. Oh. But but that, that's the, the conundrum is, you know, we have a jobs issue, we have um, inflation issues, and, and you may want to talk about, you know, is it transitory? Is it going to last a long time? I think that's another discussion. The um, Fed says it's not. I would tend, so to, I would tend to agree. Who said well, it's not? The Fed. No. Fed. Federal Reserve Chairman came out, what, a week ago and mm-hmm. said, nothing to see here. Yeah. It's and, fine. And, yeah, and something else on the inflation, we've got a, it's a supply and demand thing. You know, with COVID and different things like that, we've seen supply chain blocks, different things slowing supplies down, jobs issues, um, labor issues. It's, it's, so I think when, and we're starting to see the supplies, you know, it's coming back online. Things are getting, getting moved, moving. There's a COVID impacted in, in many different ways. And this is just really something I think we're going to hit that hurdle. I think inflation continues to rise through the rest of the summer into August. I think we're going to see some pretty shocking numbers short term. I think we level out towards the end of the year. And I think we see an elevated normal through 2022, but uh, I think we're going to get back to normal. And I think it really deals with the supply. What I wonder is that with the wages, because wages are going up, because they're trying to encourage people to get back in. They can't take those wages away once the people go back. I mean, they could, but it, they, you'd have some really mad employees if you did. And I'm talking service-level jobs. You're seeing the wage, the wages are definitely going up. So doesn't that drive inflation because people have more money to spend? Hmm. So yeah. does that make it permanent? If the $15 an hour minimum wage, which is going to probably be a reality, it's getting more and more normalized, more and more states have it, more and more bit and I think I saw McDonald's within the next three years is gonna their bottom dollar will be fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, but how many robots will they have working for them mm, versus true. employees? Oh, that's true. And robots, I don't know. I mean, we probably have more robots in the system than I know uh, that are out there working. Um and do robots call in sick very often? And do you have to give them raises? And do they, you have to pay, you know, uh, into the system, if you will, uh, all those extra taxes. So, so I guess what I'm looking at is one of the reasons, and help me Greg on this, one of the reasons that inflation is so low is because I think the big companies out there have done a great job of trying to hold their expenses down and the most expensive part of a business's budget is what salaries and wages so benefits so you are you as an employee or to a company in some cases they think of you as a liability instead of an asset sure which would get you in big trouble if all of a sudden you get to looking at your employees and going darn he's making 1750 an hour well what's he worth he or she i should say and um so you know once those wages like you say get up so high and you can't come back then at some point you know, they're having board, they're probably having, they, whoever they are, they're probably having <laughs> board meetings right now trying to figure out how can we cut our expenses. We know we want to increase our income, but how can we decrease our expenses so we maximize our profits so we don't go broke? And you have share, shareholders. 
Yeah, and you got to make these cats that own stock in your company happy, or they are scrim. I remember I was working for a bank once upon a time, and there was one guy that was just screaming loudly over the price of the stock of that particular company. And uh, so, hey, as a side note, rhetorical question. Y'all know what that means, right? I don't have to answer that. That's correct. What's the difference between a recession and a depression? A recession is when you lose your job. A depression is when you and your spouse lose your job at the same time. Been there, done that. It's tough. Mm. But anyway, hey, and and another thing. For uh, let's see, Greg, your wife is in the uh, um, educational system, okay? Do you think Mandy, which is uh, young enough, obviously, to be my daughter, do you, th- and you're young enough to be my son, do you think she's ever known we were in a recession? Or do you think that the, and again, I hate to use the word average, typical person that has a job, as maybe a school teacher, as a government employee, I don't. I don't know that my wife ever has known that we went into a recession or even a depression or de- close to a depression. I, th- I think it's. Do you feel the effects of it? Yeah. I mean, is it affecting me? Yeah. Um. What the, whatever the news say says, the reports say, um, she may hear about it more from me. You know, and go, yeah. oh, that's what that means. But in a general sense, I mean, no, I don't think. Because really. because I sort of think of it this way. It's a recession when you lose your job. And, man, it's, I mean, it's tough. Or, Jim, you've gone through this, and, and you're one of the top-selling agents in Pearl River County, if not the top. You know, I know you have been over the years. But, you know, when all of a sudden people aren't buying houses, if that should happen, and, man, all of a sudden, you know, you're on commission – and you feel that you can feel a recession, but I, anyway, uh, you, you can, but I will tell you this in real estate, the better the market is, the more agents are in that market. When I started, there were like 45 agents. So there's the more going for the piece of the pie. Yeah. Meaning I, I had a conversation that. with an agent the other day off the coast who's been doing it 25 years. And she said, I can't wait for this to end. She says, because I, I make more money when it's a regular old everyday standard market than this weird frenzy that's going on. And everybody in there great uncle gets in the business to try to sell and then they all flush out after a few years go go back to inflation because i don't i don't know if you're gonna if this will be a prediction at the end or if we're gonna do anything Uh, of that nature i don't don't know but flip a coin back to this reverse repo and i'm telling you it's the thing to watch they start raising that rate. Just remember, he's not talking about foreclosing of a house. I understand. I'm going to go Wikipedia uh, some stuff. Overnight. This is over. Overnight. Definitely. Open market operations. Gotcha. It's a Fed tool for monetary policy. But we're at $831 billion overnight. That's insane. So what's normal? Uh, I mean, normal they, five years ago. If you ago, look back at the charts, I would say, you know, a spike back in 2016, we hit $250 billion overnight. Okay. Um, hundred million, two hundred million. I mean, hmm. you know, it may be seventy-three different parties, but we're going to hit a trillion in overnight funds. I predict that hmm. overnight Fed funds. You're going to terrify those who know what that means. 
Somebody just It's not. It's not terrifying. Okay, it's, good, just, good. it's unprecedented. Yes, but it just goes to terrifying. tell you, and we can't go too far into, you know, uh, any anything to do with, um, you know, stimulus and different things like that. But there's so much money out there. I mean that that is a proven that that that's proven it there. They are going to have to increase that rate to hedge off this inflation bump that we're still trending upward on. And if five basis points, moving it from zero to five basis points, bumped it up, you know, 331 billion overnight, you know, another five basis points, because I think they'll park it at 10 to get us over this transition um, with this transitory inflation. And you're going to see a trillion in overnight funds. Something that makes more sense to me, let me ask you a question. So, if the feds are trying to control interest rate, I mean, uh, inflation to say 2%, okay? Target or ceiling? Target. That's their terminology. Target. Okay. Target. Target Target 2%, is that correct? That's correct. Give or take. And, you know, so hey, if it's 1.8 or 3.1, nobody's going too crazy, but. You know, they are talking about less than 2%, but but we know that inflation is not at 2% right now. No. And so I guess what was going through my mind and almost left is, you know, we can remember when, you know, boy, I remember when gas was at 25 cents a gallon. Y'all probably don't remember that, but, you know, I can remember when, and then we go to lunch as an example. And pay eight ninety five for lunch and and complain about it. Okay. Well, lunch twenty years ago probably wasn't much less than that. But when we look at what was our income twenty years ago, I get I I don't know where I'm going with this. Other than we we want our incomes to go up more than two percent per year, but we want everything else to drop in price or or have a reverse inflation, which will kill us. Yeah, but not everybody's income has done that in in different sectors. I think that's an that's an argument. There may be some places that people are making less. I, it's just that's a fact. Yeah, yeah um, they're making nineteen eighties wages. Right, adjusted. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, meaning they the job may pay more, but they're not. In right. comparison to, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that's a hmm. interesting point. So, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, millennials. You know, are, are they looking for jobs like y'all had one employer? Uh, and, and I don't pick on millennials. Are you a millennial? No, you're just out of a millennial stage. So there's two different... Oh, we're going to get definitions. It's not opinions, but facts you can look at. So, okay. in one category, I am a millennial. In uh-huh. another category, I'm I'm not. So, mm-hmm. I guess for today's conversation, I'm not a millennial. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, but, but I, I, I think people yeah, pick on millennials. You know, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'll I'll, I'll jump in. Um, you know, are we looking at? people that say get out of high school that may or may not go to community college or to a four-year university um are they looking for a job per se or 
do they want to do like my dad did and own his own business and it's just determined, you know, he would never go to work for somebody else. I guess he'd make a bad employee. Uh, where, where are we going with the future of the so-called job? I mean, I, I don't know. Mm, uh, a lot of empty spaces of up there. I mean, I don't know. And with automation, the way automation is going to be, there are a lot of those jobs that are high school educated jobs. You don't need to go to college to get that. Are, those are the jobs that are going to get eliminated. And I don't want to get into this, but I did think about it early this morning is we probably need to have a podcast. This would be a chamber podcast where we get Adam Breerwood as an example to join us and get like uh, Brian Maxey to join us and some people like that. Um, uh, If you're from here, you might know who that is, but you know, our, you know, we all went to college in more than two years, but there's a lot of good opportunities out there. You don't have to go to college for four years. And and I think it's going to be interesting, too, to see what kind of changes we're going to have in the, in the educational system, if you will. But, you know, it's just a side note. So back to inflation, back to... I know Jim probably doesn't want to make any predictions on, you know, we've we've seen bubbles, if you will, that was in this article, bubbles to burst. Can can somebody sort of tell us what maybe a bubble is and what bursting means? If you're in the real estate business or banking business, that probably makes more sense than if you're a school teacher. What's a bubble and what, what do you mean bursting? 2008. So, more details. Let Jim answer that with the real estate. Well, to me, a bubble is, you know, supply goes down, demand goes up, prices go through the roof. In the wake of Hurricane Katrina, you had a whole lot of people that were forced out that had to move somewhere. We were the closest high ground in some places to that area. So, all of a sudden, houses went through the roof, and they appreciated 20, 30 35 40 percent in very small amount of time builders start building because you have this unlimited seemingly unlimited supply of people that want to buy prices go up 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 they keep pushing that envelope until the point comes that i don't know somebody looks around and says no i don't think i want to do that and then all of a sudden in that in the katrina case people started actually moving back and then inventory increased prices decreased and a whole lot of people got caught in that Catch and where, and, and how quick can that happen? The the like all of a sudden, you know. And I know Greg and I can remember when some people were talking about the bubble bursting in the future, and we were just sort of like, yeah, whatever. And and that whatever did happen, like almost like wow, it just popped. Yeah. It's yeah. a free fall when it happens. And so then it then it's like wow. And I can remember saying, you know, gee, when, you know, and foreclosures go through the roof, you know, everybody lending wise gets real tight with that money and, and starts trying to figure out, well, you know, why did these foreclosures happen? You know, gee, we're foreclosing, foreclosing on people we'd have never thought of. And you get that, you get so tight with your lending and then all of a sudden things change and then life is great and then what do lenders do 
they loosen up and they're loaning money to everybody because everybody's paying and well, life's great. And then all of a sudden, boom. Well, we, we tend as humans to have, you know, short-term memory when it comes to, to those types of things. And, mm, you great. know, I think, um, you know, there were a lot of regulations put in place after that, you know, the 08 crisis. And, you know, while some of that stuff we, we tend to forget and move forward, I think this time, you know, it's a lot uh, more mitigated. I think, you know, banks are looking at, you know, more equity in the deals, um, not these crazy adjustable mm. type products that are just, just not good for, for, the, for the borrower. And, and so I think this time around, I think for the most part, um, banks are, you know, in better position i think the liquidity requirements the the different types of regulations you know i'm not a huge fan of a ton of regulation obviously because it hurts the consumer in a lot of ways but i think there are some good measures in there and and, you know every day reading articles and looking at things you do see things banks are doing out there and you go wait a minute wait a minute do we really do we really forget that that's not you know the, the path that we need to head down so I think a lot of that's mitigated for this pop whenever it happens, but you know, the, these rising prices and I would let, you know, Jim or, or you really comment on that, that real estate side, but you know, prices are up. Um, that's not a bad thing. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of things that come along with that. But I mean, I would like to hear Jim or, or you, you've been through, you know, cycles and different things of, you know, with the prices of real estate and homes, what, where, where are we headed? Wait, did I just go ahead, wait, wait, Jim? Wait, you're the oh. Terry's the moderator. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, what was well, this that? is your podcast. Yeah. yeah, Jim, answer that question. Okay. <laughs> I, I like the way I moderated. Very nice. That was good. You you have to rust it away from him. Um, just a little, but you know, um, I would say growth two three percent a year in in prices is great. That's steady. That's solid. That makes you feel good. I've been in my house five years, and it's ten or fifteen percent better off than I was when I started, I can get out of it, I can sell it, make a little money. I've seen 25 to 30%. I mean, and some of it's anecdotal, some of it's individual transactions where you go, wow. What was your grade point average? Like that word he used, anecdote. Go ahead. It was high, I'm telling you. (laughs) So you see some deals, stuff that passes through our MLS system, that's, we see the sales come through and you go, man, that is unbelievable. But there's a lot of that going on right now. There's a lot of uh, anecdotal deals. There's a lot of stuff I see where I go, man, if they go to sell in a couple of years, that's not going to be worth anywhere close to what they paid for it. And people move. That's one thing now people – I've also been in one house my entire life, so I'm not big into change. I also drive the car I have until it's like 400,000 miles. Yeah, but we're going to sell that and get you a new – We are because the prices are up. Electric Ford pickup. Yeah. So I think you've got – uh, people move five years or less in a house. They go to move, and all of a sudden, they're even if they're five or ten thousand dollars short, they can't. Most people can't just pull that out of the bank and say, "Oh, well, I'm ten thousand short. Let me write a check on that so I can move." People start to walk away. So I think it's going to be a pretty good foreclosure crisis. Maybe not as bad as '08, but it's going to be pretty interesting. And it might be a couple years away because that cycle has to play itself out. Yeah. It, it- and it's kind of who's going to get caught at that time because, you know, and Terry, we've talked about this before, you know, like an in-bank in mortgage, you know, where a local bank would hold it, you know, do 
doing a 15-year fixed at a really low rate doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, so as these prices go up and people, you know, do home equities, things of that nature, and we get up towards this ceiling of whatever that may be, you know, human nature, I mean, you do a 30-year fixed mortgage, well, probably four or five years, you're going to move or sell your home or, or do something. So I think those impacts, you know, not just in one drop, but as we continue to move forward, somebody goes to do something with their house or sell it, it could be be an issue with with equity. Right. Um, so then what do they do? Right. They, I mean, people right. tend to walk away. Yeah, and, and, and I think we we have to be careful in what we're saying here because – some people might misconstrue you like that word misconstrue what we're saying i this i'm going to say it my words and then y'all take it from there i think we as consumers have to be careful in the decisions that we make because in the past the world thought that real estate prices would only go up like you're saying maybe that two percent per year yeah now, if you're the owner, you want it to go up more than that. But if you sell, then you got to go buy something else. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter. So I think we have to be careful, if you will. You have to make good decisions and then also say, well, it takes two people working at today's wages to crack this nut, if you will, that nut being the mortgage payment plus all the other debts that you have. And so you don't want to overextend yourself uh, because you want a bigger house than mom and daddy have and um and because interest rates are low you're jumping in there and then you got this frenzy going on now of i better buy now because man the cost of this house is going to be more next year so you know i think you have to take a look at how long do we really think we're going to be here that's because if you think you're going to be there two years nobody wants to hear yeah. us say well you might want to rent a house yeah you know because I mean, if you think you're going to buy a house and then hit a home run in two years um that might take some more thinking but um anyway i don't know where i was going with this but I, y'all understand what that's I'm a saying. good good point so we just have to you know, uh, I think I told you all the story. My, one of my daughters lives in Washington State, listed a house, and I think within, like, minutes, you know, there was offers, and somebody offered to pay cash with no no uh, inspections whatsoever or whatever and paid $53,000 more than list price. And I'm just guessing that that person, A, could afford it, well, they're paying cash. Right. So yeah. I'm also guessing that this this is where I was going. This is just my opinion. Every house that I have bought that I moved into, it was an emotional decision. It was not a, uh, uh, what would be the other word I'm looking for? Financial. Uh, financial, you know. I'm not buying the house that I'm living in because I think I'm going to hit some home run right. or whatever. You know. It's like the house that Pam and I built in 2009. I can remember, uh, and we were going to build a house, and that was back foreclosures were going on, and and you could buy existing homes pretty, you know, cheap. And uh, somebody asking me, saying, "What in the world are you building a house for?" Well, it's because we owned the acreage that we built our house on, 
And so that was just, it was a personal um, reason for us doing that. It was an emotional decision. It was family property. It wasn't some financial deal. But anyway, I'll quit rambling about that. But And, and I think, too, on this on, on this discussion, the, the material prices and, and things of that nature, um, a positive trend, you know, lumber. I mean, man, I'm telling you, just it, it skyrocketed. You know, OSB going from nine dollars a sheet to forty-eight to even yeah. higher. Um, plywood framing materials it just put a real strain on, you know, contractors and, and and builders and subs. It was just it it was hard to see because you know they're pricing these things out, and then here we go, this changes, and then you've got a you know the 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 customer they're dealing with to build the home is. You know, you're seeing ten, fifteen, twenty more thousand dollars in most cases having to be mm, okay. put into the deal. So I mean, it's some of that stuff is really affecting things. And and lumber just dropped. Um, things are looking better, but you had you know lumber, framing lumber was um, I mean as of last month or I'd say April year over year was a three hundred and sixty four percent increase. Yeah. And it, Copper and aluminum sixty to ninety percent increase. But inflation's at yeah, uh, whatever the the Fed target yeah. or ceiling is it ceiling? I don't know. Let's, let's Look say, at your notes. Yeah, uh, yeah. but but my question is okay. So lumber prices went up, construction costs went up, and eventually people stopped. I mean, April and April and May, new construction building starts dropped instead of increased as they had been. Tip so, tip of the day. So now what I wonder is, okay, now lumber's come down 35%, whatever it's come Second down, it's going to come day. down some yeah. more. Are you going to see construction starts start back up again? It's, I wonder if that's an indicator of if, if, if it stays flat at this point, is that a... Supply and demand. Right. There's a huge demand. There's little supply. Right. That's going to continue to drive. Key things to watch, the futures... December, January, I think I shared this with Terry the other day. I mean, material prices are 50%. If you're looking at commodities and you're looking at the, the lumber and different things, um, you see about a 50% reduction in the futures. So that that's encouraging. So I think that is going to be another another wave. Also, too, mixing in you know the Fed's monetary policy and those decisions that are made you know you're seeing those dot plots you know some of them are the fed dot plot are showing you know a rate increase in the fall um whether it be one two i would say if any one but you know you're going to start to see that in 2022 there will be increases the economy is so hot i mean there's nowhere to run it has to has to increase but you you mix in you know a slow uh, increase of, of rates and, and then you look at the 10 year treasury those trends and histories and you see what's going to happen you look at the bond market where do we run I think that I like using that gumbo thing but those mixtures there combined with reduction in materials prices rates starting to increase on the mortgage side Fed fund target range starts to increase I think that's going to be everybody wanting to jump in and say look we haven't pulled the trigger yet rates are starting to move up what if we get into you know this inflation we see double digit things that could have happened you know like in the 70s now now's the time so i think you see another wave of of building and and buying and then again let's go back to supply and demand we need more houses you know we have 
agents. They need, they have clients. They, they need to buy a home. So it's, I think we may hit a, hit a, you know, a, a level field here for a while, but you get into the fall and these, these prices start dropping rates, start inching up. I think it takes off again. So that's just where I'm at. And I'm thinking, not looking at them, but I'm thinking Jim thinks, uh, the good times, if you will, are going to come to a closer screech in halt than you think, Greg. Probably. And probably before. What's so the predict- is this the prediction section? Uh, where this could be. I, I, I just know. wonder if anybody's okay. even going to listen to this probably, this probably far not. into the podcast. No, but no, they gave up a long time ago. <laughs> it's fam- uh, we can say anything we want at this point. In it. Family members might listen just to see if we talked about them. But... <laughs> Yeah, think about, about the, anybody. Say it now. I do want everybody to think about this for a minute. This might be a test question for Jim. Is you would think that when mortgage rates are going up, you know, like if you're at two percent or two and a quarter or whatever rates are now, okay? I mean, almost zero. Um, that if the rates went to three, oh my God, I, I don't know that I can do that. But what I saw, again, this is sort of like when you hear your great granddaddy, which I never met before, talk about the depression and whatever. But but I can remember back when I was in the mortgage business and rates were going up, okay? That created something that Greg was talking about, and that is the urgency we better sure. jump on this now. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, as low as rates are and as high as you and I have seen rates, you know, go to, I mean, there's a big difference between, say, 2 and 10. I don't, I don't even know if we'll ever see 10 again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be a wild prediction when that would be. But, but my point is this. If we see price of houses, you know, sort of, you know, up and down a little bit. Hey, whatever, you know, uh, but mortgage rates all of a sudden start going up. What does that mean? I think what it means is people are going to keep on buying houses. So I'm thinking this could be into the prediction part of this. I'm thinking we have a while before we're going to, now that doesn't mean we won't have foreclosures, but I think we're going to have people buying houses at good prices for years to come. Now, I don't know how many years that is, but I'm thinking we're not going to have, we're not going to have bad times anytime in the near future. The one thing you got to think about, though, is last time I could get a firm number, which I, you can't really get a firm number, but the last time that I got this was maybe nine months ago. Eight to nine percent of all secondary market federally backed mortgages are in forbearance. That is a tremendous number. We're talking millions of households haven't made a payment maybe since last April or May. Now, no, so and and this is about to end because they're going to extend this eviction. Uh, moratorium until the end of July, which I kind of figured they would. They're going to push it one more month, but I read a report the other day that said, okay, this is going to be it, though. The, the inside people at the White House are saying, we're going to give 30 more days on this eviction moratorium, allow that federal money we release to trickle down into the communities and try to keep people from getting evicted, 
but then that's going to end it. So if you haven't made a mortgage payment since last May, whether you could or you couldn't, because you know, no matter what, what's going to happen all of a sudden when the bank taps you on the shoulder and says, "Okay, we're we're going to we're going to take all that and put it on the back of your loan, so we're not going to foreclose you." But that eleven hundred dollar payment you make every month, we need to start seeing that again before the fifth every month. I think that's going to lead people to put their houses on the market. And that, now at a local level, that might not be a hundred houses, but I'm talking about in bigger cities. Now people are going to say, well, the market's super up. Maybe we just sell it, we rent, we do whatever. I think that's going to increase inventory. Plus there's a backlog of foreclosures, which have been sitting there with the weeds growing up around them now for 13 months because there's been a foreclosure moratorium, even on stuff that's been empty. I mean, I, I keep an eye on many, many houses. This is what I hear you saying. I hear you saying we as consumers need to do a better job with our own personal financial situation when we make a big decision. Sure, yes. I don't I'm like Greg, I'm not too much into regulation, but I, I've seen it over the years where let's just say Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae would get so tight with their lending but then all of a sudden good things started happening and they had that bad memory thing and then they got it loose as a goose to where everybody and his brother that couldn't even qualify got a home loan. So I think there has to be a combination of prudent, you know, financial decisions for yourself and the lenders, whether that be a local lender or Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, whatever you want to call it. You know, your, your big investors that, that come up with these underwriting guidelines, they just, you know, I don't know if I want to use the word conservative, but I just don't think you, everybody does not need to own a home. And that may not sound right, but it's true. Jim, I, I hope you would agree with me. Yeah, on that. I would I, say, yeah, I would say that. I would say it's not, and let me say this, everybody doesn't, and I didn't use the word deserve, I don't think. No. Everybody today does not need to own a home because, one, they may not can financially afford it, or, two, they don't know how to handle their finances. Or, three, it's a stage of life thing. You're yeah. at a point in life where you don't want to cut the grass. You go and you you rent in an apartment complex. Yeah. You, it, it all depends on where you are as far as th there, there has been a real push for home ownership, which overall is a great idea and a great goal of 100% of people in America owned a house, but you don't have to do that at age 21 either. If you no, you know. of course not. Yeah, maybe you rent for a while. Maybe and like I say, depending on where you are in life, you're going to be somewhere three years. I see people come in that they, they maybe have a job here for three years. They know they're moving. Real estate in the short term is never a great bet. It can it can work out, but a lot of times it doesn't. Um, Long term, I mean, I bought my house in 1995. It was a cheap house, but it's doubled. Don't even include the current market and the craziness. Go back a year. It's doubled in value in 20-some-odd years. Great. But it was 20-something years. I think what we're saying here is the real estate market, Jim, is similar to the stock market. Yeah, in, in that, in that you know, everybody wants to get in the, to the stock market. You know, they want to buy low and sell high. But what what does the average stock market investor do? 
they they get caught up in let's just call it IBM. IBM stock is going through the roof, and they see it going up, and they think it's just going to keep on going up. It's up, it's up thirty percent. Yeah, know, so they I'm going to buy it now because it's going to continue to go buy up it now. And then what happens tomorrow? It drops twenty percent. Mm-hmm. You and then what do you do? You get scared, and you do the stupid thing of sell it. So I think the key, maybe we better say this. I'll say this. The, the key to real estate is staying in the market, but you can't stay in the market if you don't make your payments. So another bank won't, won't so, that. Will they, Craig? No. So oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you'll work with them sure. a little bit, sure. but that's about where a bank. Yeah. Well, I haven't looked at my watch. I have no clue what time it is. I see that it's off and on. It's raining. It's not raining. I don't know if my grass is. Uh, dry enough to cut right now. Good time now. to cut grass. You know, oh, Greg, you, I've seen you with a bunch of notes over there. Is And Jim, I see Me. you've got your coffee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've got maybe some other notes that I would just take us into another tangent probably, so maybe I don't need to do anything else that uh, we need to discuss today. I know that we had, uh, let me say this, so just be prepared, because the good thing about a podcast is, one, you don't have to listen to it. Two, when I ask people about listening to podcasts, you know, I don't have time. I ain't figured that one out yet. But because you can listen to a podcast as you're working out, I'm sure, like we all do, and and mm-hmm. uh, while you're driving down the road and whatever, but... Um, but we'll probably have another podcast maybe going deeper or either discussing something else like, you know, dang customer service, man. I mean, you know, anyway, which has a lot to do with your job. And, uh, but anyway, so there was a couple other guys that we wanted to invite. So there, there's some other people. We may have uh, several more people uh, to sit around the table and talk about some business round table yeah we're gonna business have to get round a table. get a round table yeah oh, that's a true. big round table this is a rectangular table so yeah. greg looks like you're wanting to say something uh was that sarcastic yes no i no, not a, me <laughs> oh. but not. i thought you know and maybe just um to wrap my portion up um did you have a portion jim i didn't have a portion but i'll i'll wrap, wrap it, up. it up maybe All just right. a closing closing statement okay where are the predictions I thought we were doing predictions. Well, I think we interrupted Greg. Maybe that's where he was going. I think, you know, I I was jotting some stuff down here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think back to inflation, I think it is a short-term thing. I think it does continue to increase over the summer. I think we will see it taper off uh, latter part of the fall or early next year and be back to a more normal level, maybe a little bit inflated from what the Fed target is. Um, I think the real estate market, uh, there's a lot of pavement ahead. I think it stays hot. I think um, seeing some of these increases and in driving sales is a good thing for the economy. Um, I think as, you know, uh, jobs, the service industry, as more of that comes back online, unemployment goes down, the mix of, you know, rates starting to increase, um, I, I think we see another wave. Um you know, latter part of the year and into, into next spring. 
I think something else that's key to watch. Um, don't forget that trillion in reverse repo overnight. Yeah. Remember that. Jim, I sketched that, that. I did. Wikipedia. Write that down. It's fine. Write that down. Um, you know, and I think um, from a real estate standpoint, it's market to market. You know, some of these larger markets we're going to see see hits first. I think, you know, locally, not to you know get too much on the local side here. Um, I think we've got some good days ahead. I think much longer than your Memphis, your your um, L.A., your your New York, your your Virginia, your Florida markets. I think you know we've got some time there, and you know one thing seeing appraisals and you know different areas and um different in, in the footprint um some of those appraisals are staying in line some are lagging behind you know with cost being up i mean that's been a pretty good argument for builders is you know look mm-hmm. my cost is going up mm-hmm. and you know we had you know locally we had about 18 months of where you know prices were were good and and builders and specs and people could do things and i think appraisals have caught up a little bit um but i think that's something to watch in these bigger markets are the values um but but anyhow anyhow i think another two to three years of of good in the real estate you know and uh, eventually something will happen i mean we don't have a crystal ball but i do think you know next year we have a pretty pretty normal year the year after that uh we could see some things but i do think it will be good as well 2023 um i'm looking at maybe I don't know about a Fed bump in the fall. I do think we'll get two next year, maybe one in the fall and two next year. Uh, so those are things to watch. Um, also, GDP. I think GDP is um, it's roaring. The economy is hot right now. Um, there, there are a lot of problems, but the economy is extremely hot. Um, there are some things that we need to fix. The Fed's looking at you know the jobs issue combined with inflation. How are we going to fight that? Um, you know, locally, business owners, you've got minimum wage, you know, the push to, to more than double that in a lot of areas. I think that that could be dangerous. I do think we need a measured plan to, you know, take it up slowly and, and not, you know, provide shock to small business owners. Um, I think it's great if larger corporations and other entities, businesses can do that. That's great for employee morale. I think it you know, drives things, but it is a pretty hard expense, uh, you know, to the income statement that, that Terry mentioned earlier. So just a lot of interesting dynamics, but, you know, GDP 6.57%. Um, I think that goes back to normal second quarter next year, um, you know, and kind of starts to level off and maybe, maybe start doing a little worse in 2023. But I mean, two years, I think we've got some good road ahead. Jim, do we want that to be the wrap-up, or did you want to should, say anything? We should just wrap that up right there. Oh. Well, you're going to disagree I, with them, so dis- I think we uh, need to I'm going to disagree on the real estate. I think the in- inflation, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's what they're saying. I think that makes perfect sense that we're going to see it bump up and then maybe come down. I just think the real estate values can't hold where they are. They can't continue to increase, and all I know about real estate is when it stops increasing, it starts declining because that's just what happens. That's what I've seen before in, in bubble markets. So I'm thinking maybe the end of next year, things start to really slide. Next year, this Wait. is what, 2021? One, so the end of 22. I think the end of 22. So I don't think, we've got, I don't think we have so, as long a road ahead. So since lunch three weeks ago, you've come within six months of what I'm saying, when it was I maybe have moderated. in August, I have. September of this year. That's probably your influence. Okay, all right. 
I would say it's near influence. Yeah, no, no, no. I would say, I, I would say, yeah, because it is going to take time. They've bumped everything back to July. I mean, everything's going to have to. It's going to take time for all that to happen with the forbearances having an effect on the market. The foreclosures themselves, foreclosures have been frozen. They've got to do the foreclosures. They've got to go through the legal process of foreclosing to help more inventory come on the market. Now, those foreclosure companies are not just going to dump houses on the market at half the price because they're trying to make money. They're going to do Fannie Mae, for instance, who I work for. They've already come out and said it's repair strategy. Fannie Mae 20 years ago was sell it. It was not about... I thought you put your phone on me. I thought I did. I don't know how it is. So Fannie Mae's already said... Now, 20 years ago, uh, 08, Fannie Mae had no interest in repairing much. Their their interest was just, my goodness, we got to get stuff off the books. Now they've already said, we're repairing houses for sure. In other words, they're not going to give away stuff in the future. In the market that's as high as this market is, they're going to try to get some of that money back they lose money on every house so this will be unusual for them but i don't think that'll hold forever and as more inventory comes on and then two years from now is really going to be kind of a mess as people begin to look to move and go they've a lot of people have refinanced maybe not as many people re i don't know greg do you think as many people have refinanced this time as they did back in like oh six oh seven the, the way, there was a wave of refinance, and that got people into trouble. I mean, from let's take the pond view that I might have, and not the the ocean view, but in pond wise, I think yeah, from a smaller from from local, I think I think we've seen a lot lot of refis because the refis ended up in as much or more foreclosure than the purchases did because yeah. people wanted to they wanted to do things and they took that. I mean, and you hear rocket not. Should I say bad things about like Rocket Mortgage? Rocket Mortgage is fine. They are oh, a partner man, with Coldwell yeah. Banker. Hey. They're fine. But I will say this for like they push that. Listen to their radio ads. You know they 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 are always goosing you to say, boy, do the stuff you want to do. Just take that money out of your house, which is the place you live. So you know that that's so tough. they're saying reverse of what I was saying a while ago, probably. Yes, they're saying if you want that vacation, if you want this or that, look, you've got a bank. You live in it. Just just take some of that money out. But the problem is an inflated appraisal now, a year and a half ago, two years from now, now all of a sudden that appraisal is not as high. You go back to get more money out. You can't. It's time to get transferred to another market, and you can't move. Back to Terry's point of, you know, how long are you going to be in your house? Right. If you're going to be there two or three years, you know, taking a whole ton of money out in a refi might not be a good idea because you just don't know. If you're going to be there 25, if you're going to die in it, well, heck, yeah. go for it. I, I've over my career, I have refinanced half of the world. I mean, I've refinanced a bunch of stuff. And my conversations were with people normally were, hey, you've got this 30-year fixed rate you've been paying payments on for two, three, four, five years, whatever, and you bought it at higher interest rates than they are now. Let's take you from a 30-year loan down to a 15-year loan even if we bump up your payments a hundred bucks a month, you know, in the long term, you're going to do better. No, don't go take out 20 grand to buy a new boat. I mean, that's stupid. You know, can I say that word? No, because you just insulted everybody that's ever done that. Well, I mean, so I've done, now, I've done plenty of stupid, okay, okay, you know, that's fine, that's fine. I bought a house. The rates were at 12% and inflation was going through the roof. And I remember saying it was a great decision at that time. Well, ended up uh, getting a second mortgage, put a pool in the backyard, 
Perfect. Hey, you know. You had to have a pool. But. It's hot outside. But because of inflation and prices went up, then and then rates dropped. I knew they would. They yeah, kind of dropped. You, you know? read the tea leaves. I mean, when you're at 12, you know they're going to drop. Then they dropped. I refinanced, rolled my first and second together, and lowered my payment 100 bucks a month. Oh. Only in America can you do stuff That's like that. That's very true. So I think you got to be. You got to be smart when you're making major financial decisions, and uh, in many cases, you have to use somebody else's brain to help you decide: is this a brilliant idea? Now, most people don't go run and talk to mom and dad, you know, which is a great place to go. But so, if you're making a major financial decision, you better be talking to somebody that knows. A little bit about that or if you're talking to somebody about the real estate market you know a trusted professional yes you need to talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about so my prediction yeah i was gonna y'all, add, y'all, okay. so right now I greg gonna, says two years right yeah. now two, well, two to three before we might see some talk about real estate real estate that's all i talk about yeah let's let's define what our prediction actually is again he did a good job he well refreshing my long-term just, memory. Just the real estate. Whatever. But, well, all right. All right. Prediction-wise, I think the inflation. I mean, what do we want to predict here? What the real estate market's going to do? Inflation's going to do? Right. or I would say inflation. Sorry, I, you told me not to move away from the mic like that. Yes. Inflation, real estate, rates, GDP. Okay, I, I don't know anything about that. three of those. Yeah. I just know that second one. Yeah. The rest are really fuzzy on. Uh, okay, let's do inflation <laughs> and real estate. Oh, yeah. I can guess on inflation. Yeah. You want me to start? I was being sarcastic because you told me to go. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this is Greg so infla- Mitchell Jr.'s prediction in, infla- for the future. Inflation so. and real estate, right? That's what Jim decided? I think so. I mean, right. I know what GDP means. So, or, or maybe, that. maybe is this what we're wanting to do, or are we want to predict the happiness of a consumer? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it'd be interesting. That's why I threw it out there. Go ahead, Greg. Happiness of a consumer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or a yeah. prediction of good times. Now, what's the definition of good times? That could be that inflation is in control. That could mean prices of real estate have gone up or gone down, you know, depending on where you are. If you're the owner, you want them to go up. If you're renting, you want them to go down. So it's sort of crazy. So Good times. Yeah, let's, let's do a good times prediction. Good times prediction, two years, three years. I don't think at the two- to three-year mark we see a pop or a just a, you know, we, we could see some correction. I think it's going to be twofold. I think there are two, uh, well, let's say four things driving my thought pattern. But I, I think we see something at that between two to three year mark. Um, I do think uh, good times are here for, for, for two to three years. And then you get past that three, you get into four. I think some of this stuff is going to start hitting home and, and could get, get rocky depend, depending on the policies. Um, that are put in place, uh, stimulus, different things um, that can can really change the paradigm, or I guess move the cheese. But uh, two to three years, good times. 
Jim, yours was what? Year to year and a half. Okay. Yeah. And then I think I'm talking about real estate in general. I think real estate's going to see a a bit of a I don't know it'll be I don't think it will be an 08 situation, but I do think it's going to be impactful. Well, let me you know, part of the reason I accepted to do this today was number one to try to try to give some information uh, that could could help people, um, mainly to you know the GPA guy over here, you know, the real estate side. I noticed you weren't looking at me. I've enjoyed. Yeah, well, I'm saving the best for last. Oh. But I really um, have a lot of uh, respect and trust for for Terry Farr, and I want to hear his prediction, and that that's why I'm here today. When we talked about predictions. He's seen a lot. He's done a lot. And this, I'm, I'm ready for this. Well, got to throw in probably a little bit of sarcasm. Uh, this, this part's not. Y'all know my ultimate goal is that I'm going to live to be at least a healthy 120 years of age. I'm 70 right this second for a few more months. So I'm predicting good times for 50 years. I think there'll be some peaks and valleys in the 50 years. Yeah. So to, to reel it back into what y'all were talking about, good times, I'm predicting five years. Hmm. Five years. Put that down. So we're in a five years. I mean, it's just, just good. Now, you know, hey, I just, I, I think, but, but again, I'm, I want everybody to hear me. Because uh, I've made a lot of stupid financial mistakes over my lifetime, and I'm, and I probably used to be more of a risk taker than I am now, maybe. And uh, I've got this, uh, you know, crazy personality kind of thing. So I just think we have to be careful in what we do and make smart decisions. And you don't want to look back. Now, if you're in your 20s, you can sit there and say, ah, well, if you screw up, ain't no big deal. But if you keep on screwing up and getting into a habit of screwing up, at some point you're going to go, I wish I hadn't done that. So anyway. Fair enough. So one and a half, one to one and a half, two to three, five years uh, let your attitude. Can, can I ask you a question? I'm not the moderator, but I want true or false. Well, you don't have to be the moderator. It's not true. You or have false, a microphone, but do you believe in that five years that there will be some type of correction in the market? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's part of my be careful. But in that correction, good things can happen out of that. Oh yeah. And I think that drives. Oh yeah. So, and, and, and I think I said this in a previous podcast, behind every peak is a valley. But folks, that's, that's why I asked the question. Behind every valley, you're going to have a peak. And don't get caught up in the buy sell. You know, don't buy at the wrong time, don't sell at the wrong time. Now, you got to be pretty dang smart to figure that out. That's why you got to stay in the market, whatever the market is. If you're in the market of buying baseball cards, when do you buy? You buy them all the time. Un- unfortunately, which I, I'm proud of my collection, but baseball, oh, this? baseball, and this this ties this ties yeah. to what we're talking about. The early '80s, you know, there wasn't a lot produced. 
you know, they, people started buying them more, 83, 84, and this is when I'm 34 years old. So you get to 87, 88, there's a boom of, you know, baseball card shops start popping up. We had one down at the end of Goodyear Boulevard, batter up, used to ride my dirt bike down there at six. Not not on the road, I'd stay off the side of the road, Good. but, you know, put gas in it and, and yeah. go in there and trade baseball cards. And, you know, there's there was just a huge supply of baseball cards, i.e., money in the system jim gotcha. and and so you when, you, parking, when you look at you the parking those cards at the end of the boulevard so we moved i gotcha. i'd accuse my wife of i accuse is a strong word maybe it was, but i couldn't find my baseball card collection and, and it's it's pretty pretty extensive big nolan ryan collector um so when you look back at the prices of cards you see some in the early 90s and even sooner that are worth more than those in that 86 87 88 range because there was an abundance of supply it was a boom of baseball card collecting eventually that will you know some of those will be worth some money but it, it totally relates to what we're talking about an oversupply of cards in the system being mass produced not at a great quality and um you didn't know i was going to close with this right uh-huh. It's a good analogy. Good but, analogy. Right. But, um, I think I know, brought up baseball cards, so, you know. Yeah, so and it, it, freedom just, to carry it ties to it, just an, an abundance of that time. That didn't mean it wasn't fun and that we weren't happy during that time, right. pointing out to what you're talking about, the happiness. But um, anyhow, that's a, a unique time in, in the baseball cards, and I think it you ties back home. to our conversation. Yes. All right. Oh. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Okay. Well. Thanks, guys, for coming, and I want y'all to go home and do whatever your wives tell y'all to do <laughs> as far as cleaning up uh, around the house or whatever. So uh, great great conversation as always, and uh, looking to having some more conversations such as this, and, and I've got some notes that uh, really I can't wait for us to talk about in the future. And uh, so thanks again for coming in. Very good. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to the Far Side of Leadership podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today. Feel free to share with anyone you think may enjoy the podcast. For more information, visit terryfar.com.